to work on something outside the scope of their core role. And it led to some amazing things like Gmail and Google News and AdSense. Um, so a number of, of products that have been really critical to the business. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey guys, if you have not listened to part one with, I'll say it, our best friend, JRW, because we're here in Kentucky, <laughs> go back, listen to it. We talk a lot about team building, how to empathize with a, with a culture, a lot of other good stuff, what it looks like to be at Google and come back here. Um, those are hopefully just some Easter eggs. And now you're getting all ruffled and then you're going to go back. So let's say you did. Now you're listening to part two. Thanks for doing that as you're walking down the grocery store aisle. And with that, Liz, <laughs> uh, inside jokes are the best. Uh, Liz, why don't you kick us back off and then we'll, we'll have Jamie come share some awesome wisdom here in a second. Sounds good. Garrett, when you look at me, you laugh. I don't know if that's insulting or a compliment. No, because I, 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 I like when people laugh. It's kind of like when you watch a baby laugh. It just brings you joy. I know why you're laughing because so looking at me is like watching a baby laugh. Yeah, it's innocent. Hey guys, I'm Liz. (laughs) Uh, As a quick, as a quick catch up, I'm Liz. I'm with our Venture Labs program here at Awesome Inc. Um, For those of you who are just joining, we have kind of taken our 10 years working with startups and applied a lot of that learning to the corporate space. So we are trying to build this community of innovative thinkers um, in the world of corporate America. So. Um, we're going to keep interviewing one of our favorites today here, Jamie. Um, like I said, like Garrett said, rather, if you haven't listened to the first one, go back and listen to it. We talk about her history, um, kind of her career path up until now. But Jamie, we want to kind of pick up where we left off. Um, we were talking about how to build teams, how to incentivize them, as you were starting to say. And I think that's something that we hear a lot from the CEOs and the HR, um, you know, VPs of HR that we speak to, et cetera, is, is how do you build the right teams and incentivize them, especially when it comes to innovation and curiosity and new ideas. So I know you've spent a lot of time both researching that and figuring out how to implement that. So talk to us a little bit about, um, well, yeah, you've, you've got the ear of corporate companies that are listening. What would you say to them? <laughs> yeah, so I'm glad you asked about that. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to talk about a topic I'm really passionate about that others may not be uh, super jazzed to hear about, but I hope to change that. And that's performance management. And I think when a lot of people hear performance management, they think of evaluations and, and maybe feeling defensive and, and uncomfortable. And I, I think that, uh, that it would be great to change that. And there's a number of ways to do that. I think the first part is really peeling back the layers of performance management. And within that, you have the expectations of a role. Um, and then you have measurement, which should be to uh, give people feedback on how they're doing. And then evaluation. And I think often those get grouped together in, in semi-annual or annual reviews. And people don't necessarily think of it as an opportunity to learn, but they see it as something just tied to you know, their feedback number and that's tied to bonuses and things like that. Um, so I would love to encourage uh, companies, no matter what their size is, to uh, think of how performance management can be an opportunity to not just... Uh, measure and not just evaluate your employees, but to help them learn and grow and develop. And a great uh, piece of reading on that is on the folly of rewarding A while hoping for B. 
and I will include that in the show notes. It's a pretty short read, and it's really interesting just to think about how how you're incentivizing people uh, and what they're doing. And I think some examples uh, might be helpful for this. So thinking in you know the academic world, you hope that professors uh, do a great job teaching their students, but you're rewarding them for producing research and publications. So there's a mismatch in incentives. Uh, you can also look at sports teams. You hope that people work really well as part of a team, but they're being incentivized and paid um, as to you know how many baskets they score or how they're performing really as an individual. So there's a number of places where we hope for one behavior, but we're really rewarding and incentivizing something else. Um, and another resource we'll include is a great book called Transforming Performance Management to Drive Performance. And there's a number really great examples in this that highlights the idea of starting with identifying the right org the right organizational objectives and priorities and from there creating uh, the, the appropriate expectations um, and, and evaluations for your employees so again just to go into an example because I think a lot of the theory we love examples we okay love good if it's too much just let me know <laughs> um but a great example that really nailed the point home for me was thinking about two airline companies. Let's take Southwest and Emirates. So with South, Southwest, the organizational objective may be to get people from A to B as inexpensively um, as possible and on time. And with Emirates, the objective may be luxurious, a luxurious experience. So you're going to want to hire differently. You're going to want to have different expectations for those flight attendants. Um, one flight attendant may need to, you know, make sure people get the service they need, but not necessarily be overly attentive. Whereas on Emirates Air, um, if people ask for pretzels and you're out, you may dig in to see what else you can get for them. Um, so just some examples of how those high level company of objectives should trickle down to inform uh, the the expectations and ultimately the evaluations for people at all levels. I love that this is your personal vendetta to like <laughs> redefine the narrative around review meetings. I think that's a great professional vendetta to have. But especially as it relates to innovation, we've been talking about curiosity. I think it, it is a really healthy push to to ask of companies like, hey, if you value innovation and curiosity and helping your employees, then not only should you do something maybe like a workshop or these like big displays of um, innovation, but you should do something as practical as to build it into your your performance reviews, into your metrics meetings, into saying, I mean, something that I appreciate about Brian, our CEO, is he often in our metrics will say, I want you to set a metric for a new idea or something to take something you're personally good at and applying it to the team. I mean, I've had, I'm trying to think of one of the craziest ones he asked me to do. I mean, it's sometimes it's as silly as if he's like, hey, I know you're running a lot, so put running as a mm -hmm. review metric. But then other times he said, hey, you're trying to work on automation in your own job. So I want you to set an automation work sprint and try to get other people in on that as well. Sometimes it's even been, I know he's called out other of our um, coworkers on, hey, you have a heart for generosity. So I want you to figure out a way, like that has nothing to do with our company bottom line. But mm -hmm. he's saying, like, do I take this so seriously that I want to put it into your performance review and metrics? Invite people into what you are passionate about, which yeah. again goes back to what we talked about last episode with with culture and, and a team. So that's yeah, yeah that's a fitting. But I don't know that I've heard anyone make that correlation of hey, we can make performance reviews like a good time if yeah. they're if they're tied to things 
that matter and not just how much did you raise the bottom line or the top line. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. I mean, unfortunately, I had a friend who worked for a company uh, a couple months back and is no longer with them. And something happened and they had or a, a review meeting, but someone pretty much said, oh, yeah, this happened three months ago and yada, 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 you never fixed it. And my friend said, well, why is this the first I'm hearing about that if that happened months ago? Mm-hmm. And so to what you're saying, yeah, we have quarterly review meetings. I think do, those do need to change so people you know, are having more frequent contact. And I'm pretty sure this is what you're about to, to jump into, but that just helps people. And that helps, again, what we're talking about with teams and people working and having a healthy culture. It's, it's having awareness is so, so important for that. Yeah. And I like what you said about having maybe a well-being or these other types of goals that mm-hmm. are important, but maybe not aren't directly related um, to your role, feeling like you can include that. And if you're in constant communication or kind of bake in measurement to your activities, then it's not just a a single point in time we talk about the measurement, how you did on the goals, and you're going to get a review because you're you're likely to either maybe inflate how you've done that goal or kind of water down your goals if you know that you're going to be um, evaluated on it. So I think the key piece in my mind is separating measurement from evaluation. So, you know, you can put really big ambitious goals and you're going to be measured along the way. You'll get feedback. And then at the end, you'll be evaluated, um, on those goals. And that way you can feel a little bit more receptive to feedback. You can be honest with how you're doing. And it's not just one big surprise conversation once or twice a year, but it's really baked into the culture and how you're getting things done. So that's great that you seem to already have that here. <laughs> Brian's the best. Come work for us, Mike. <laughs> no, I, I do think uh, our culture here is very unique. But I think what what it sounds like, to maybe put it differently, I think what is important is if you are going to say you want things like curiosity and innovative thinking or people who think outside their own job description, then what you're asking of them what was it you said about A and B, like asking for A, but expecting B, maybe I'm butchering that. But if you say you want that, but you're rewarding them only for a bottom line or for very KPIs that have nothing to do with that, um, then there's a mismatch of expectations. And I think sometimes it's hard to recognize that allowing an employee to pursue something maybe slightly outside of their own job description can often have very real positive implications on how they do their current job if they get better at some rabbit hole right you guys ask in your interviews like what rabbit hole did you fall down well then let employees fall down those rabbit holes for a minute um which i think can be tough i'm I'm curious your thoughts i don't know what that balance is between like keeping your job like your main focus and then spending time maybe being curious or thinking outside the box um i don't know do you have like practical thoughts on that for companies of how to encourage maybe both and like obviously you want your employees to to do the job you've hired them to do. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely a tension because when you hire creative, curious employees, naturally they're going to be drawn to other other types of work in addition to what they've been hired to do. And sometimes that can lead to really amazing products and things like Gmail, but other times that leads to them investing a lot of time in foosball or some other (laughs) passion, which is great, but may not be something you want to pay them for at a company. Um, so I think in terms of um, in terms of your performance management system, making sure that people are you know nailing down the core role, you have a clear understanding what's expected of them in this role, what they need to get done, and that sort of table stakes. And then on and then in addition to that, uh, maybe carving out some time to experiment with uh, other 
passions or interests that are related to the company's higher level objectives. Um, and that's usually, I think, at larger companies, um, it's a little challenging to have just an open policy where people can explore uh, whatever they want for a certain number of hours. I think it's more a conversation with your manager to figure out um, what makes sense given you know the bandwidth on the team for that quarter. And, and if there are opportunities to contribute to another project or experiment with another um, team, you know, a couple hours a week, if you're still able to get your core responsibilities finished. So I feel like uh, signaling that that's an opportunity at the company is really valuable because like I said, curious people crave that. And that's really big for retention and, and productivity and, and making people feel excited to get to work every day. But balancing that with some guardrails um, and making it more a conversation and, and having them maybe explain how this other project will feed into some larger goals at the company or their work as well. This feels like an accidentally great segue into talking about Google and myths at Google. So this was one of mine and Gert's first questions of you of talk to us about the 20% rule at Google is something that I think is sort of almost like lore within the business world. Um, but I feel like this relates that there's this you know, this legend that Google gives people 20% of their time to spend on other things, which I imagine doesn't work out quite exactly the same in practice. Um, but I'm not going to begrudge Google. They've built a really innovative culture. So what what did that look like there in practice? Like what, how did they maybe fulfill on that, but also kind of be practical about that? Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing because when I was doing nuke orientation for about a year, um, I would have a number of employees also, coming quick pause. in. You just said Noogler, which I need <laughs> the audience to know. Google apparently loves turning Google into anything else. Yes, it's So it's true. new people at Google, right? Yes. Thank you for <laughs> stopping that behavior. Um, yes. No, Noogler, now I'm a Zoogler, ex-Googler. The list goes on with the Oogler thing. We put awesome into everything, so we cannot judge anyone here. <laughs> That's a little bit more natural flowing. Sure. At least ours is an adjective, yeah. like a, a normal adjective. Um, but it was pretty funny because every orientation people would come in and there'd always be a question uh, like, is it true? Do we get 20% time? Is every Friday like the day off for 20% time? And that's not exactly how it works, um, which makes sense given the size. And I laugh because a lot of people call it 120% time uh, because the idea is there are a number of things to pursue at Google, um, but you know people need to get their core work done and... And then if there is a project that makes sense for the business and where their team is at that point in time, it's definitely an option to discuss that with your manager and, and make room for some other projects, maybe 5 10% of your time. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a strict 20% uh, thing by any means at this stage. Um, but it is funny because I think when it started, it was more people using uh, Fridays was the day, people using the day to work on something outside the scope of their core role. And it led to some amazing things like Gmail and Google News and AdSense. Um, so a number of, of products that have been really critical to the business. But I think as the company has gotten larger and larger, other people are focusing on, sometimes you'll get a 20% project, like I said, on, on foosball or trying every cafe <laughs> in Mountain View. And while that's great to do, um, it's not necessarily supporting the business. And if you have 100,000 plus people going off and doing these things that aren't supporting the overall business goal, it gets a little chaotic. Um, but I do think the the ethos of that 20% time is very much still there. And if you talk to someone on a different team and you have the skills to contribute and it's uh, 
and it's really needed and would be helpful, it's definitely an open conversation to have with the lead of another team and your manager to to make some time to contribute to some other efforts. Yeah, I think it's important for leadership and like I said, the the managers and CEOs that we talk to to hear. I, I think sometimes innovation can be a little bit scary. Like if you start letting employees run free, then it's just mass chaos. Like you said, they're like eating out at cafes and playing foosball and like there's no middle ground. But in fact, I think there there has to be middle ground and a lot of companies are finding that it's not it's not an either or. And so I, I just I appreciate you kind of saying, yes, the ethos is important and the signaling is important and following through on that signaling. Like you do the workshops and, and you guys mm-hmm. give them very practical ways to live that out. But also you have a, a very large company to run at the same time, um, which um, I think, yeah, I think it's just a healthy middle ground to remind people of. Yeah. And I, I think it is hard to rein back these things as you do have people who have been at the company when 20% time was a real thing and, and things need to evolve as a company gets larger and competition cha- evolves. It's important to to be flexible and evolve, but it's also, I think, helpful to lay the groundwork for um, a scalable uh, solution and and making sure that the practices and, and programs that you're implementing, even as a startup, will scale and and be effective as you grow to become a 10, 20, 30, 40, 100,000 plus company as well. Something that Mike Hilton, uh, the director of Interlabs, he's he started to say a lot, but I think it uh, it gets to what you're saying. We we often tell people we can build a program for you that builds innovation, but is mini- minimally disruptive to day-to-day operations. And I think that's sort mm-hmm. of the goal, right? To To create this playground where people can come up with and build new ideas but we're not going to come in and blow up your entire business model. That That's not the point of, of new ideas and curiosity. It, it's to be scalable and to grow, um, which it sounds like is kind of what you're saying. I do have, Garrett and I have some fun questions. We have other myths at Google that we want to, that we oh, want to ask hear. about. <laughs> Bring them. <laughs> the first thing though, I, this is how my mind works. Jamie, you said this a minute ago and I was trying not to laugh, but you said there are a number of things at Google that have to be done. And I laughed because Google is a number. It's not that funny, but I've just been thinking about that for the last three minutes. But we're going to let you just sit with yeah. that for a second. Thank you for sharing. I did see you laugh. I was like, what did I say? It's a really big number. Okay. Anyways. Inside, inside scared mind. Yeah, That's a crazy, it's, a it's, scary place. I need help. Okay. Um, anyways, Liz, why don't you take the first one? <laughs> so a couple of things that I feel like are are the the myths or maybe the perks. Are there, are there massages? This one we personally care about here at Awesome Inc. because... We do in non-COVID times have a masseuse that occasionally comes. She's basically family. She's basically family. She's the startup founder's mom and we love her so much, but it's sort of this like accidental perk that we have. She needed practicum hours. Yeah. And so we were like twist (laughs) our arm. We'll be your practicum hours, but it's not like real, right? It's not like the company, like we still have to pay her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We love you, Joyce. Yes, so much. Um, But but do you get daily massages? That's what we want to (laughs) know. I wouldn't say daily. I would say the perks, the massages, the food, those are very much uh, alive and real, at least when I was there. Um, I didn't get daily massages. The massages are heavily subsidized and you do get a free massage when you start and for your Google versary, like I said, the Google, Google the Google's and everything. Um, so, or sometimes a, a manager may uh, reward you with the free, free massage points and things like that. So the massages are very much alive and well. Um, and they were a very nice perk, I have to admit. <laughs> so yes, those I are. I see your body relaxing as you say that. <laughs> I <laughs> miss them. I, I mean, I haven't, haven't been there in uh, several months now, a very long time. So I will miss those. I might have to get in here. 
I yeah, I wish we are massages still happening in 2020. I imagine I that's know. difficult. I mean, I can imagine if you're on your stomach, face down, because yeah. you know you're breathing too. We don't need to get into yeah. the logistics okay. of that. Yeah. yeah any any other point. ones you want to ask yeah. about? Karen? S- something about dry cleaning is that is that a thing? Yes, they do have the option for dry cleaning. I bl- I never did that because you are able to wear you know t-shirts and jeans, which I, I wore most of the time. But there is an option to bring your dry cleaning. I know people would bring. So we had Google shuttles. I lived in San Francisco and worked down in Mountain View. So you had Google shuttles with Wi-Fi um, and you'd get on the bus and you could work on the bus while you're going, while you're riding down there. And people would bring suitcases full of their dirty clothes to do laundry because there are laundry machines. And like a lot of places in San Francisco and where I lived, it was a coin coin operated uh, laundry place. And not many people, I feel like, have coins these days. So people did bring their laundry to do it there. That was very much a real thing. When I am, quick side story. So when I lived in New York, I worked for Carter's and Oshkosh, if anyone Mm -hmm. wore the little overalls when you were little. Uh, But they're headquartered in Atlanta. And so a couple of times a year, I would travel. I I was assistant to our sales sales execs up there, um, which has also a side comment of a side comment. Um, their sales team, what their commission structure was based off their personal sales and then a percentage of the whole, which I always found was interesting. Mm-hmm. And that it always changed as far as like what that needed to be. But um, I thought that was a pretty healthy model. But anyway, back to so I would fly to Atlanta a few times a year with our sales team and we stayed at the Ritz Carlton, which for my post college self felt larger than life. And mm-hmm. I discovered that at a place like the Ritz Carlton, they will shine your shoes for you if you leave them outside your door. So I would, no joke, pack every pair (laughs) of leather boots I had, whether it was spring, summer, winter, or fall, and I would pack them in my suitcase, take them down. I would line them all up outside my hotel door, and they would all get shined, and I'd take them back. And my shoes have never looked better than in the two years that I worked for Carter's, and they're a disaster now because I don't get my shoes shined. But it felt felt like an accidental perk that they gave me uh, that I took full advantage of because I was a cheap post-college student who took anything I could get. So thank you. Thank you, Carters. <laughs> Kristen, if you're listening, my old boss, I don't think I ever told you that. Um, I have one last thing in my notes that I actually don't even remember about, but it's a number. So I have to ask, what's the Google 15? Oh, yes. The Google 15 um, or the Nugler 15. <laughs> it's very much a real thing. And that is the idea that when people start at Google, there is free food, delicious food, breakfast, lunch and dinner, MKs, which are micro kitchens everywhere um, so that is a reference to the extra 15 plus pounds people gain when they mm. start at google i see um, and okay. it's it's pretty funny i heard of some stat that with interns they allocate you know three times the amount of food they would for your average employee because there's kind of that interesting idea of the interns it's a finite period of free food but you know like most things uh the, the free food and, and other things tend to normalize kind of that like hedonic treadmill idea that you adapt to anything so I think the weights tend to level off, but it is very interesting with uh, interns who only get to experience it for a short period, and then maybe they come back. I only experienced it at Carlton for a short period, <laughs> so I took eight pairs of boots down there. I think actually at one point my roommate gave me a pair for boots to take down. Um, no, I get that. We probably have the Awesome Ink Oreo 15, so we're big on Oreos around here. They're just 15 cavities. Yes, we have a lot, a lot of things that you have to get accustomed to around the office, but self-control with Oreos is one of them, but... Well, Jamie, this has been lovely. We've laughed. We chatted um, about Google, Nugler, Zoogler. (laughs) 
All the oaks. Did I nail them or did I butcher them? <laughs> Thanks for coming today. It's been so good to see you in person. Obviously, our listeners can't see you in person, but but um, thanks for coming today and just sharing with us your history. Like I said, we love people who have gone out, learned a lot, come back and are willing to share it with those in the bluegrass region um, who are looking to um, just grow, grow companies and grow them quickly. So, Garrett, thanks for letting me steal your podcast again. You're welcome. Jamie. Yeah. Honor. And thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to hear that there is you know, an audience interested in, in all this great research that I think can apply really all over the place. So, and I'm so excited with what's happening here at Awesome Inc. supporting a thriving startup and tech community. So excited to be back and thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. We'll see you guys next time. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesome Inc.'s podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz. Or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in. And let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.